All right, y'all, welcome back to episode two of the No Bull Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Josh Copeland. What's going on, everybody? Alex Newts. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes, yes. And in last episode, we got into Alex's story, and it was really powerful uh, and impactful. So hope you guys got a lot out of it. This episode, we're going to dive a little bit into my story. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. We have some some great guests coming on down the line. So so stay tuned for everything we do. Follow us on Instagram and, and stay tuned. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm super interested, Josh, obviously, man, because, you know, I I knew Josh Copeland from UV, uh, you know, and, and I've gotten to, to know Josh Copeland after UV. But what's exciting to me is, I don't know Josh Copeland before you be. So <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to hear all sides of your story, man. I'm excited to hear you share. So, you know, I just kind of want you to kind of kick it off for me a little bit. You know, what, what was Josh Copeland's life like before you be? Yeah, bro. It, it's crazy. Cause, cause like once you, once you kind of meet people, you meet people in different stages of your life. Right. So they, they don't know other stages of it. Right. So when you meet somebody in college, they know you from 18 years old until yeah. the end of time. Right. So they don't know. And the same with you and the same with everybody else on the team, you don't really know that backstory unless you knew them growing up. So it's great to okay. always hear, you know, what makes people tick, what made them the way they are. Like what makes you you? Right, right. So that that's great. That's why we're doing this. So you can get kind of a little bit behind the, the stories, right? Uh, so for me, man, I grew up in, in a smaller town called Fairborn, Ohio. It's right outside of Dayton. And um, I have four brothers. I have four brothers growing up and three of them was older. So a way for my mother to kind of keep us occupied was to put us in sports, right? Um, So it was just really simple. Y'all go play sports outside all day. And I'm really competitive. So I wanted to beat my older three brothers and everything. So naturally just having those older brothers, I became pretty good at sports like fairly quickly, right? We're a big baseball family. So baseball was our go-to. All my brothers play baseball. And so, um, and, and like, I remember I was one of the only ones, like we played football, but I was one on that love football. I was a little bit bigger of a kid. So I love contact. So a little something's different. You know what I mean? Like defensive yeah, players, they're a little wired different, bro. Like, like yeah. we're wired different. So I yeah, love contact. Defense. Yes. Yes. So I love contact at an early age. So um, and I was out there and I remember in like in Weehawks and we called them Weehawks, but it's Wee football. And I remember playing and I was like, man, if my brothers can't tackle me or they tackle me and don't hurt the kids my age, it ain't going to affect me. So so that was my mindset really at an early age. So I started and I became really pretty good, man. And um, fast forward to high school, lettered all three sports, two as a freshman, based on basketball as a freshman. Um, and so started getting recruited and, and I never, I was always a people pleaser though. So I know, and I know we talked about this, bro. Like, um, at playing all three sports, I was constantly busy all year and I wanted to, I saw the joy that, that came, that people like that I could put on people's faces and their lives from playing sports. Right. And I didn't want to mess that up. Right. So when we won, 
I saw the joy when we lost. I saw like the agony. So, um, and we're, we only had, you know, kind of like your town, like we had one high school, one middle school. So everybody knew everybody. So, so when, you know, you're playing and, um, so that kind of messed with me because I wanted to be so perfect because I was black for one. Uh, I had a chance to play division one football. Once I started getting recruited, I didn't want to mess that up. And I was, I was first. So none of my brothers or my parents went to college. So I was the first one to be able to have the opportunity. So I didn't want to mess none of that up. You know what I mean? So, um, I, it became, what's up? Which is huge. Like that's, you know, like, that's like a monumental thing. It's something for you to like be super proud of, you know, like, the first one to go yeah. to college and stuff like that—that's that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, like I had cousins and, and aunts and uncles who did, but like my immediate family. Yeah. So for me, bro, it it was like it was it was not added pressure, but it was just like don't mess this up. You know, yeah. and, you know what I'm saying? Like like I got an opportunity. So um, all conference, all whatever you want to do, offensive player of the year, play quarterback and running back. Um, and then I get to UB, bro, and it's like a whole new world, dog. <laughs> like, like you know, it's not, it's, I, I was never the fastest dude. So, like, I think I ran like a 4.7, like, constantly. So, 4.7, 4.8, never the fastest. But yeah. you get there, and there's some – and, like, for to be a mid-major D1, we had some ballers, bro. Yeah, and, and, yes, and you get there, you see diff- – people from different states and like, damn, like, this is really what it's about. Um, and so get to Buffalo and I'm just, I'm just kind of going through a speed into it. Cause I really want to get to like the, the afterwards. Cause for me, the depression and, and the anxiety really didn't kick in until afterwards. I'm just kind of setting it up. So you guys know yeah. like my background. So let's, um, let's, 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 let's talk about the recruiting a little bit. Right. So, yeah. You know, oh, like we, we talked about Western New York, you know, not the biggest football town, not the biggest recruiting, but Ohio, like Ohio, man, they, they live, breathe and breed football players, you know? Yes. So, so what is that like? Like you're playing in front of, like you said, like a small hometown, but I'm sure like the entire town is at your high school games. Right. And like, it's, it's a different kind of atmosphere for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I mean, it's kind of like anything, bro. Like when, when you're winning, like obviously the town supports you, but when you're winning, it's a different energy. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Like just around everything. So um, football, I, I lettered my junior year. I played running. I mean, my sophomore year, I played running back only didn't play defense. Um, and we went not, we went seven and three, my high school, we've never made the state playoffs. So we have a great team, some great receivers, great quarterback. And, um, we go seven and three and I started getting recruited. Um, and I remember my first letter was like from like Iowa, my sophomore year. I was like, Oh shit. It was like, you know, a questionnaire, hey. fill out. but I was like, Oh shit. Like hey. bet, <laughs> you know big what I'm saying? Ten, I was like, bet big 10 country. Like I'm there. Um, and then my junior year, I played linebacker. I played safety and a little bit of linebacker, but running back. And I, I bought out my junior year, like had like 100 tackles, a um, couple picks, you know, offense had a couple, you know, 10 touchdowns, whatever the case may be. So I really started getting recruited. Um, but the thing about me was I never really cared too much about school. I was never a bad kid. I just didn't yeah. care about school, right? Like I was, I just did enough to be eligible to play every every sport. 
Um, so I started getting recruited heavily. I mean, like, and I had a guy ahead of me, a year ahead of me, he went to Indiana. He was getting recruited, big lineman, recruited, went to Indiana. So that helped bring eyes to our school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started getting heavily recruited, letters all the time, pulling out of class for coaches. Cause I'm 6'1", 185 as a, you know what I'm saying? That's a pretty big yeah. safety. Um, yeah. So, so started getting recruited, but then I took the ACT bro. And I bombed. I took okay. the ACT five times in high school, five times. And now, so didn't take it serious. Just thought like, it was like, you know, one of the times you were going to hit big, like what, what was it? What, what, what was so, the first time I took the test, bro, I didn't even I I honestly didn't know that like the magnitude of the ACT. I thought yeah. it was just like another test. You see what I'm saying? So like I didn't study. I literally signed up for it like a month before. Didn't think about it. Got reminded the Thursday that I got this test on Saturday. Like yeah. I didn't even it wasn't even registering. I was like, oh, it's a math test. So you showed up like it was a road test. Like you're just going to walk in there, pass the thing. (laughs) Exactly, bro. I saw that. I was like, man, this this is the math. Like it's math, English, science. Like every class I'm taking now, it's a test on it. So like, bro, bombed it. I think I had a 14. Yeah. And so, so immediately Big Ten schools gone. Like didn't hear from them at all, right? Um, So I'm like, oh, shit, this is real. Took it again, got a 15. Didn't still didn't study now. Like I was, but improved. Right. I was like, okay, making progress. Um, so then it was like, uh, the ACC schools all gone. And I was like, damn, took it again. Got like a 16 big East gone Cincinnati down the street gone. So now I'm, I had all these options and now I was dwindling down. I'm like, Oh shit. Like it's going into my senior year and I need to get something together. Right. So Um, so I ended up having five offers. I had Buffalo, Ball State, Eastern Michigan, um, Eastern and Western Kentucky. Uh, and those were my offers that I had going, like that was rocking with me the whole time. Um, and so I remember what solidified Buffalo. I was actually going to commit to Ball State. I had went there on my official visit the week before I came to Buffalo told my parents, hey, I, I, I like Ball State. I'm going there. And my mom actually was like, let's just go to Buffalo. It's Niagara Falls up there. We've never been. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Beautiful. Like, Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. There was, it was December. There was like, I was like, man, I don't want to miss another basketball game because it was basketball season. And yeah. she was like, no, just go. <laughs> um, so Coach, Coach Gill at the time comes down the week before I'm supposed to go down there, comes to my house, visits my family, and I was like, yo, he's a really cool dude. You know what I'm saying? Like my parents knew him obviously from playing at, at Nebraska. My uncles, they were all in awe. I was like, bro, I don't even know this dude, but he's he's here. Um, yeah. came to my high school, ate lunch with me and my coach. And then so that kind of solidified it. And then when I went up there and I saw what Buffalo had to offer, I was like, yo, switch the thud up came home, committed to Buffalo like the next day after my visit. So that's kind of how it was. Cause I was like, they rock with me the whole time. I'm messing up everything. And it was great. Loved it. Loved the guy who recruited me. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's a wrap. So that's kind of so, how I ended up at Buffalo. So what I got out of this is <clears throat> you went on an official visit to Buffalo. 
they gave you some bomb ass chicken wings and you're like, <laughs> dude, I'm there. Come in. I'm there. Boom. Yes. Oh, that that's um, that's really what that's really what it was. And I, and I don't want to take up too much too much more time on like right. part of it, but just talk about what what was it like? Like what did it do to your psyche, you know, when you were struggling with the ACT and you did see those offers start to kind of dissipate and disappear a little bit like you know how how did it did, did it affect you negatively like what, what was your mindset during that yeah bro my mindset I was because I I was so naive to like the whole recruiting game I I literally thought everybody who went to high school got I mean who went to college got a scholarship so yeah. I didn't like I didn't understand what was like in front of me you see what i'm saying like i i had no idea that oh my god like i'm really throwing away an opportunity until we got to um fall like once i committed to buffalo and i still had some stuff to do in the classroom to make sure the clear i passed the clearinghouse right you know like your gpa has to be a certain your act can be you know it balances out so and i remember my mother set me down uh and i i was I was getting it, but I really wasn't understanding. And she was like, no, Josh, like, and she brought out and we had a conversation. She was like, this is how much it costs to go to Buffalo a year. This is how much you're going to pay. And she was like, this is how, like, you're the first one to really have this opportunity. Like in a way, like, don't mess it up. You see what I'm saying? So then it dawned on me. I was like, oh my God, like it's out of state. It's like 20 some, 20 some thousand dollars to go to Buffalo at the time. And yeah. so I was going in for five. So she was like, you're, you're throwing away a hundred grand just yeah. because you don't want to go to class and do the work. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I was like, so then it, so then like I started clicking, I was like, okay, this is something that not everybody gets. Yeah. Yeah. No, <clears throat> for sure. Um, so then obviously, you know, you get to Buffalo, right? Um, okay. So you go from this, big fish in a small pond right and even mm-hmm. though it's mid-conference even though it's the mid-american you're coming into a d1 setup you're coming into a team that they already have their starters like they already have right. their guys you know um so now you're this small fish in a big pond right um there's equal talent in most aspects all around you so you know what was that like when you first got there man it was it was it was cool because like I got there and, and when we got there, I, I was in a class with Dom Cook, Devontae, Justin Winters, Josh Thomas, like Ralph. So we had some some players in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Jerry Housie. So we had a lot of us played as true freshmen. Um, so you get there and you realize that it's like it's another, like it's a, there's another level to what we're doing. You know, yeah. like, like, like across the board, athletically, mentally, um, coaching is, is different. I know you mentioned it yesterday, like your first one-on-ones and you go against like Dom and you're like, oh shit, this is yeah. real. Yeah. Like, like the first time I saw Starks in name, like really in action and yeah. Drew Willie like throw the ball. I was like, oh, like these dudes, like they, they playing, playing. Like, I was like. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this this ain't a game. And like even in one-on-ones yeah. in the summertime, like bro, name couldn't be stopped. And then like Starks, we we even hooped with Starks. And I was like, oh, they they athletic, athletic. Yeah, like like it's a different all over the place. Um, so that was really eye-opening for me. Uh that like 
I was like, okay, this is this is different all the way around. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, school in high school, like you said, wasn't important to you, wasn't, you didn't take it as serious as you probably could have or should have, but now you're what? Mandatory study hall. Now you got, mm-hmm. you don't make grades, you're on academic suspension. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was that pressure like for you as someone, like you said, who, you know, football was more it for you rather than school? Yeah, it, it was tough, man, because like freshman year, you're taking all like gen ed classes. So like you're taking all the classes with all the freshmen. So it really like I just made way. I knew how to to not cheat, not work, but I knew how to like get what I needed to get done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like yeah. just to pass. Right. Like I knew that I knew like what's the bare minimum I had to do to pass. And I did that. Um, but I remember like my when we got kind of when we got new coaches so my third year going into I redshirted my sophomore year so my third year uh which is my redshirt sophomore year coach Gill leaves at the end of that and then coach Quinn comes in and um I remember I was put on academic probation so I had two consecutive semesters below a 2.0 um and and our athletic director Ward Manuel at the time pulled me in his office and he was like yo I'm gonna send you home and I, it was, he was just like plain and simple, like, bro, we're going to take your scholarship if you don't get this together. So now for me, as somebody who wanted to people please all the time, not I almost didn't get the scholarship in high school because I didn't take school seriously. And now I'm in Buffalo. I've been there three years, played, and now I'm about to get it taken away because I didn't take school seriously. You see what I'm saying? So it was like it hit me. It hit me really hard. And I remember once again having a conversation with my mom, and she was like, "Bro, she's like, Josh, you can't come home. <laughs> like, you know, they like, like you just, you just can't come home because yeah. you, it, it's, it's, you're there, right? <laughs> like, like you, you, you did the hard part, which was like yeah. getting there. Like you're actually there, and you're gonna throw it away. Um. So, so I really had to like kind of buckle down and kind of you know, try to get it together. Mom said, figure it out. <laughs> Basically. Hey, I, already, I already turned your old room into yeah. my, sewing, my sewing room. <laughs> right. I ain't got nothing yeah. for you. Yeah, um, yeah, like, don't, don't even come back. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, dude, for sure. No, but I get that, man. And that, no, it's tough. But, okay, so, like like you said, you read, so I, I come into UB, you know, yes. I need you now. I'm there. Um you know, around the same time that Gil was transitioning out, Quinn was transitioning in. Um, so you're getting new, used to a new coaching staff. You're getting used to mm-hmm. new drifting coaches, a new defense even for that matter. Um, you know, and and, I, and I'm not speaking out of turn here. I'm, I'm sure you and I both know maybe your career didn't go the way you thought it was going to go at UB, you know. Um, yeah. you, know you went from high school where you were a two-way starter, absolute stud. And now you're struggling to find the field and find that starting position. You know, what, what was that like for you? Man, it was, it, it was hard at first. Cause like coming as a true freshman, I, I was on every special team. I started a couple games at linebacker that um, played safety the first three games. And then they moved me the third game of the season to linebacker. And I started um, so as, as a true freshman. So 
coming into having to fight for a position after that, like I didn't think I was better than anybody. I just thought I wasn't getting, I wasn't capitalizing on opportunities I was getting. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so like it, it was tough for me, but like playing spe- every special team there was, um, but yeah, it, it was hard. I think, you know, like I said, last episode, bro, I had three defensive coordinators, six position coaches and played two positions so every year it was something new. It was a new scheme. It was a new position. It was something new. Um, and when we talk about like it's this is a business, like when my guy who recruited me left at, after my freshman season, I I struggled with that. Yeah. Because I'm like, bro, well, you like, build trust, right? Yes, you build trust with them. And, and I get it. Like now as an adult, I get like it's it's a business. Like you got to feed your family, better opportunities yeah. come. Like so I, I have no ill will towards any other coaches, you know, that who do what's best for them. But at the yeah. time, as a 19-year-old kid, it's tough because I brought I was like, bro, you sat on my couch. Like, yeah. like you talked to my grandmother, you told yeah. my mom that you was going to take care of me, and then you bounced without saying nothing. Yeah. So it was tough to really like. And then that's, for me, that's when, like, a lot of mental started happening and, like, questioning and doubting myself. Because I'm like, these guys, they didn't recruit me. Nobody else from yeah. whoever's going to coach me did not recruit me. So they, they, I might not even be their guy. So for me, it was like, no matter what I do, I might not even see the field because I'm not even your guy. Yeah. Um, so that that really played a lot into into kind of – uh, my mental and, and a little bit of struggles that I had along, I mean, I, along with some success, but definitely what kind of yeah. took a lot of time to kind of get over with. And then coach Gill leaving and which, like I said, I get, but it's constant turnover. So I couldn't yeah. even get comfortable at all. No, I get that dude. When, when the new coaching staff came in and the first time I met the offensive coordinator, I swear to God, when he shook my hand, like he thought I was going to say like, punter or kicker and when i said wide receiver right he gave me like the side eye look like oh okay yeah you're, you're a receiver okay buddy and like you know, yeah. this, like sense of like damn like this dude thinks i'm never gonna play um right but no no I, I get i get that for sure um no it's tough like you said like you build these trust and um and then it's like also like damn like i have to completely reprove myself like this this dude told my mom that they were going to take care of me for the next four to five years and now this dude just splits like you know right that's, that's tough for anybody yeah yeah i mean especially an 18 19 year old kid you know what i'm saying 20 year old kid who who like and coming from my like i didn't you're, know you're you're not home you're you're in right like, right i didn't know nobody home. Yeah, I didn't know nobody but the recruiting coach. You know what I'm saying? Because like you build a relationship with the guy over over a year or two, right? So I had literally knew nobody but him. Um, and so like like I said, it's tough. But now I, I as an adult, I get it. So like I, I you know wish everybody the best. You know what I'm saying? But like yeah. so that that's kind of what started um, for me in my mind the the like just messing with my mental, right? Like, yeah. like anxiety and, and like doubting myself a little bit and feeling like I'm gonna let everybody in my like town down. Uh, Cause I know you mentioned it last episode that like you felt like you had the weight of your town on your shoulders. Like I felt the same thing. Like I knew everybody in my town. And so yeah. to, 
to go and, and play Division One football, to have some success, and to to now it's like I'm getting texts like, bro, are you going to play? Like, when are you coming back? I was like, you know, and sometimes I'm like, bro, I don't even want you to see the game because, like, I'm just yeah. on special teams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, bro, I don't want you to watch the game for 15 snaps that maybe I'll yeah. be in. Um, so it, it was kind of tough, but, it you know, it, it makes you kind of, in a way, the builds your mental to be where it is now. No, it, it's crazy because, like, you know, instead of just, like, appreciating what we actually accomplished and appreciated like, dude, you are one of the smallest percentage to even get a division one scholarship, but yet mm -hmm. like you still don't feel like it's enough. You still don't feel like it's good enough. Like you still feel like you have to prove more. Um, so no, I, I get that feeling completely, dude. Um, let's, let's transition towards like the end of your career. Right. Right. Um, Cause it was kind of crazy, dude. Like, you know, I, I think I was, with your redshirt, I think it was like a year behind you, but it's like once once your senior season was over, I know you hung around Buffalo for a little bit, but then also it was like you were just gone and like gone <laughs> like and I didn't know where you went, yeah, where you were, and like never heard from you again. Um, but I mean, I get, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so so like like bro, after after our senior season, like I, I had some sick. I transitioned back to safety my senior year. Had some success. wasn't wasn't anything spectacular but wasn't garbage you know what i'm saying like yeah. like i i had i was a little bit better than me mediocre my senior year um so obviously you know training for the pro day i i knew obviously i wasn't gonna get drafted but i was hoping to get some type of workout somewhere um so hung around buffalo uh trained and and so this this is what kind of really messed me up um i i didn't take classes I went to Buffalo four and a half years. The, the mm -hmm. spring semester of 2012, I didn't take classes. I hung up there. So I was in my mind, I was like, I don't want to take classes, but my scholarship was until May, right? So like yeah. I could have taken, but I was like, let me go. And this is what, this is that mindset of like wanting to please people. Cause I was like, man, the coaches in the Buffalo, they could get somebody else in, in this spot and bring somebody else in, in the spring. And I'm holding up a spot. Right. Yeah. So, so I struggled, bro. I worked like two jobs and tried to work out four, like three times a day. And yeah. I was around Buffalo and I was like kind of miserable. The girls dang with at the time, we wasn't really like, clicking so yeah. and i was like man i i have like i'm working out and working but three months ago i was playing you know and, and being this athlete um and then when i graduated bro obviously the draft comes i had a i had to work out with the uh, hamilton Tigers in the cfl uh i had some arena football workouts uh and then nothing really worked out so i, I went back home got a job hated it <laughs> um got a job right away after graduation hated it it was a desk job sales hated every minute of it because my mind was still in football um yeah. uh and i remember my agent gave me a call about um uh arena team and outside in allentown pa um the the lehigh valley steelhawks um <laughs> so yeah right i was i never heard of it but they want me to play send it over i had my agent fax my work email signed the contract sent it back to him at work 
and quit my job like three days later. <laughs> like, okay. Like, okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know what? Like, I, I'm, I just opportunity. End up going to, uh, going back to Buffalo for a couple months training. That spring in like February, go to wherever the hell I'm going in Pennsylvania. Never yeah. been. <laughs> um, working out with some people that I never really knew. Uh, didn't really feel like football was uncomfortable. Didn't feel like I should have been there. Um, and so I came back home, quit, made, yeah. made like the final roster was about to play a game, just dipped. I was like, this ain't, this ain't really what, this ain't football to me in a way, but this, you know how you just feel like you not yeah. supposed to be there. But like, I was like, I don't have a job. I'm struggling. My family, yeah. like they done supported me, get sent me money for five years at Buffalo. Now I'm willingly like up here struggling. So I come yeah. back home and then that's when, that's when depression, the anxiety, like that's when all that hit, when I came back from that. Okay, um, so that's that's when depression sets in, right? Cause, yes. So now what? So the dream is over, right? Yeah, it's, over, it's gone. And now you're going back to your hometown where mm-hmm. everybody saw you, Josh Copeland, as he's going to make it. You know, like he's going to be the one who goes to the league. So everybody has these high expectations, these high hopes for you. And then now – you're back home and correct me if I'm wrong, right? You, you became a, like a waiter or something like that. Like yeah. working at a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So now you're working at a restaurant in your hometown, bro. Right. And you have to see these, you have to see these people like day in and day out. And you have to yes. answer questions about what they look at as failing. Right. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. I, obviously, like, obviously, they, they never said that, but you can kind of see, right? You know what, yeah. You, yeah, you, you can kind of see because, like I said, bro, like, I knew everybody, and, and I'm not trying to, like, and I was, I was a great, like, I'm really, like, I'm really a nice person. So, like, I gravitate towards everybody. And so, yeah. like, you know, not saying like a local celebrity, but like, I literally knew everybody. Yeah. Um, so, but let me let me backtrack. So when I get home, I, I had left the job that I already had, right? So yeah. now to go to play arena football. So now I'm back to square one and I can't get a job. I have no experience. I can't get a job. Like, so I started doing odd jobs. I was like um, stocking shelves at midnight at like a local grocery store. I was trying to like, I worked at a, a, a factory, like, loading and unloading linens with people who were homeless you know what i'm saying like like that so making like six dollars an hour um so i was just literally trying to do something to get get out the house yeah Yeah. trying to get by um and and i remember this is kind of when like it really hit me that i i'm i'm like I'm done. Right. Uh, I did an interview with, with a company and it was like a, a entry level sales position. I think it was making like 40 grand a year. Um, but at the time, bro, I was like, I'm not making nothing. So that seemed like a billion dollars to me. Yeah. 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 I was like, bro. So I did six interviews with this company and didn't get hired. Six interviews. Over three months, six interviews, three phone interviews, three in-person interviews, did not get hired. So now, and, and like like you alluded to this last episode, like the first episode, bro, like when you're not wanted for something, when you've been wanted for something your whole yeah. life, it yeah. fucks with you. Yeah, big time. <laughs> so now I'm really like, 
Yes. So now I'm really like, bro, I'm a, like, what is wrong with me? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what is wrong with me? Like I can't get a job now. I do six interviews and I don't get hired. Yeah. So then I start really drinking because I never was a drinker. Um, and mind you, so, mind you, mind you, mind you, you're told, you're told basically throughout your career at UB, right? Because this is this is one thing me and you have talked about. There's no transitioning help for us to the next part of life, right? Like once we're right. over, there's no help transitioning. But we're just told like, oh, you're a Division One athlete. Everybody loves Division One athletes. You're gonna get a job. No sweat. No problem. No big deal. <laughs> uh, no, the real world wants job experience. And we weren't able to even have internships because all we were allowed to do is football, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and I mean that that's so key because you're right. Like, like you're told, oh, doors are open for you because there's a lot of transferable skills that that athletes have, right? You're competitive, you're determined, you're hardworking, you can learn anything, you can fight through adversity, you can think on your feet. So there's a lot of transferable skills, right? Um, so you're told this, but then when you get out in the real world, it's like after a year or two. I can't keep saying I'm a former division one athlete. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like, like at a certain time, it's like, okay. And like, what did you have you done since then? The guy you're competing against has worked here, has done this, has did that. So unless you kind of know people who are yeah. in these things, you're not going to get the job. And yeah. so that, yeah. So I think to go to your point where I think colleges need to do a better job of really preparing not only the athlete for like what's to come next, but like what's mentally to come next, yeah. right? What you're going to go through mentally that you never gone through before. Because um, for me, it's like, how do I become a person I've never been when I'm trying to be the person I used to be? Yeah. Yeah. You know what and, like, and like I alluded to last time, say like, like, I don't even know who Alex is anymore. And, like, right. you never even knew who Josh was without football. And mm-hmm. that's, like, the hardest transition, like you said, to, like, find something. You put it so well, dude. Like, to find some, to find the person that you've never even been before. And now you have to find that. Like, yes. you know, like, saying that really, like, hit home with me just now. And, okay, so so you mentioned, like, you start drinking, right? You start yes. drinking heavily. Um Let's flash back for two seconds here. Because when I was at UB, dude, and I'm not even joking, bro, because I didn't find out about your struggles until years later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we really linked back up. But for me, dude, like, I would, I was going on these speeches when I, when I first got sober. And I was talking about um, how I would envy the kids at UB that could go to a party and not drink, that could go to a party and not do drugs. <laughs> And bro, and like I was talking about you in those moments. It's like I was thinking about you because you at UB do like, bro, like you would light up the room with your smile, bro. But you didn't need the booze, you didn't need the drugs. Like you were just you, and that was enough. And like I envied you so much because I I couldn't do that. And then all of a sudden I hear how bad you are struggling, dude. I was like, bro, like we got to do something more. Like, how am I not, like, how are we not checking in on these people? Like what is going on? Like yeah. Oakland is struggling. Um, yeah, dude, <laughs> talk, talk about that. Yeah. So bro, like I, I, I literally 
And and like and I know we're kind of bouncing around, but like after I, I did those six interviews, I started to drink because I was like, I, I literally have nothing like like I have this degree, but it's worthless because I can't get a job um, outside of my hometown. Being a division one athlete really didn't mean anything. Um, so I, I started drinking because now I it was like I'm becoming and you talk about like I'm becoming a person I've never been. So I don't even know what that looks like. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to to figure it out with no help. Like, so I'm like, I don't know, like, am I supposed to drink? Am I not? Like, what's stopping me from not, you know, what's before yeah. I had the excuse, oh, I got practice, I gotta be at my best. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like all these that things that I could yes, all these things that I could like use to justify not drinking. Now they're gone. So I'm like, bro, why am I not? Yeah. <laughs> so so then I started drinking and and the feeling I got. And, and you alluded to this, like when you first took the painkillers, bro, it's just like, man, like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, bro, like everything I was going through, like for those little bit of time I was drinking, I was like, bro, I don't, it's, it's an escape from reality. Yeah. Um, and so I started drinking and it started, obviously, like everything, it starts off small. Um, and then I get the job as, as a, I was started off as a bus boy, actually, at the restaurant in my hometown. And so now I'm a college degree. I'm um, like 25, bussing tables, 24, 25, bussing tables with 16-year-old kids who using this job just to get some gas money. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and I'm using this as like an actual to feed me. Um, yeah. And so, and bussing tables of high school kids who used to watch me when I was in middle school and parents coming in. So now it's, it's even worse because now every day I got to live with, hey, John, what are you doing? And, and I get like they wanted to support me. But for me, I didn't know how to handle that. So yeah. then I started drinking five, six days a week, bro. Like there was a bar down the street from my job. I would go there. I didn't have to be at work till like four. I would go there, drink in the morning, go to work, work a couple hours, go back, drink to like midnight and then go home and do this every day. Every money, every little bit of money I had. I live with my brother and look, thankfully he like, you know, had a decent job and was I, he let me crash on his couch, but like I, I had no food in the house. <laughs> um, I was just, I was literally just like living day to day and just drinking all the time, and uh, and then I started gaining weight. So then people like, and I, I, I'm, I'm still struggling with that now. Like I gain, lose weight all the time. Like I'm a little heavier now than I've been in a couple months and years. Um, so then that starts messing with me. So now I'm like, I'm bigger than what I, now the insecurities start to kick in. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like people are going to see me. They're going to see I'm bigger than what I used to be. They're going to see I'm not athletic. They're going to see this. They're going to wonder what's wrong. And so now the anxiety is kicking in and I don't go nowhere. Like, like you know what I mean? Like I go to work, the bar and home, to work, the bar, to home, work, the bar, to home. Um, and so it really starts to mess with you. Uh that dude it's it's crazy man it's just like because obviously i can relate so much um you know obviously my drug of choice was was pills but it's just it's such like a similar timeline of like how how it all you know broke down and everything like that man but so obviously the drinking got out of control right yeah yeah the drinking got out of control because now it was, I, I didn't do it a little bit. It was like every day I wanted to escape the reality I was in. Yeah. So I would go to, I would go to work sometimes drunk. I'm, like, I'm just busting tables. So yeah. I will go drunk. Uh, and then when I became a server, it was like, I know everybody. And, and I was never a, a mad drunk. Like I was, 
I'm already like a naturally happy person. Right. So like being drunk, I was just like overly happy. So I'm like, oh, and I'm making some decent tips by being overly friendly. So I yeah. would drink all the time, dog. And um, there's three things that happened that kind of really took turn for me. Uh, well, two really. The first one, I got a DUI. Um, coming home from a bar, it was a Sunday. It was like one, two in the morning. I'm a mile from my house. Don't use a blinker to get over, get pulled over by a state trooper. Um, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm in my hometown. I know these cops. Like yeah. they're going, I, 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 they see my license. Like I literally live a mile away. Like I can walk and come back and get yeah. my car in the morning. Um, get booked for a DUI. And the, why, why it hit me was the person who came as backup, I graduated with in high school. Yeah. So, and he, we played football. So like he knew me, he knew me, knew me. So yeah, then yeah. now I'm handcuffed doing the sobriety test and I got to look him in his eyes and I'm like, and the, like the, not yeah. the disgust, but like the disappointment on his face when he realized it was me. Yeah. I was like, man, like it, it, it hit me for that. That took a while to get over. And then um, a couple months after that, like I couldn't drive because I got a DUI, so my license was taken. Um, yeah. And so I was like, I can't go anywhere. So I just started drinking, and then I started smoking because like drinking wasn't doing it for me no more. Um, yeah. You know, wasn't getting me to where I wanted to go. So then I started smoking, and I remember I, I had a full blown panic attack one day, bro. Like full blown, I was drinking, I was high, I was drunk. Um, I was at my friend's house, and we we're watching um, The Matrix. And I laugh about it now, but you ever seen like the little creatures that come out yeah. like that attack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, I swore on everything that was coming <laughs> through the TV, bro, for me. So I start sprinting down the street, bro. It's January 18th in Ohio. So you know yeah. it's cold. Oh. Like, bro, so so like I'm gone. Like I'm running like a 40-yard dash. And I'm like five miles from my house. Like I'm gone. And I'm running and I was like. And I'm trying to call people and I'm thinking like, I can't call my mom because now she'll know. And we talk about like confirming what you already know, right? Yeah. Like I was like, I knew I was in trouble, but I didn't want to disappoint my mother and call her at yeah. three in the morning and letting her know our son's having a panic attack. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't call my brothers, couldn't call. I was like, didn't want to call the police because I knew all of them. So they're coming now. It's getting out that I, I'm a like. I'm not right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, so I, I really, I was like, damn, who can I call at my lowest moment? And I ended up calling one of my friends from Buffalo. Uh, and like, she kind of talked me through, but when I got home and, um, I woke up the next morning, I was like, I, I got to get a handle on this. Cause this is getting yeah. really out of control, like really, really out of control. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I was gonna ask because that was my next question. Like, what you know, obviously, what was like the turning point? What you know, what made you? And like, obviously, you just answered it there. And then I know at one point you had obviously reached out to me. Um, you know, you had seen me like talking about my story and everything mm -hmm. like that. Um, and and like I said, I'm not trying to bring this back to me at all. But but what 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 was the kind of the feeling like when you saw like one of like your fellow, you know. I don't want to call it teammates because we we're so, you know, it was almost your, one of your fellow brothers was going through such similar struggles as yourself. Yeah, bro. And, and so I, I, I credit, and I never told you this, but I credit you, bro, for a lot of the, the, the healing process that I had to go through because like, 
when you, and you know this when you're going through this, bro, it's like you feel like you're going through it by yourself. It's like nobody knows, nobody's ever going to understand. Like none of my teammates could possibly go. That's how I felt. Um, yeah. And then I was nervous to share because I was like, man, what is what is everybody going to think? Somebody who uh, a straight and arrow, didn't get in trouble, always people pleaser, fun, had a blast, living yeah. life to the fullest. How can that person be depressed? How can that person not want to leave his house? How can that person, you know what I'm saying, be doing yeah. all this? So for one, I, first I thought nobody would believe me because they're like, you know, you're a division one athlete. What do you got to be depressed about? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, bro, you got a free education. Why are you depressed? Like, yeah, yeah. you you know, a thousand people. Why are you, why do you have anxiety? Um, and so when I saw your story, bro, it was a breath of fresh air because I was like, man, like, he gets it like in a way yeah. i was like bro like you you got it and you're sharing it so then that empowered me to be like all right so then i started reaching out to other people like i saw some other teammates and i was like and they were kind of going through something similar and i was like yo newts is one of the first ones that like i know to kind of share this so it's okay to do yeah <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, it's it's okay to do. And then that's when I reached out to you because I was like, bro, like, what? Let's let's do something because we're we're yeah. both going through this. Yeah, and that and that's like I said, like, that's like the main my main mantra is like sharing your story allows other people to share their story. And like I love 100%. how that's like a perfect example of it right there. Um, but I mean, let's talk about you now. So like you know it it kind of got you into starting learn to cope right um, yeah you know what what is learn to cope all about and what what does it mean to you yeah so um so let me backtrack just for a second so yeah. when i was working and, and this is why like i really believe that everything happens for a reason so when i'm i'm at my lowest point i'm i'm at you know working at the restaurant i actually meet my wife right my wife was a server at the restaurant i was working for and the beauty in it is that my wife was not from my hometown yeah. so she didn't know me from playing sports at all yeah she just knew me as a co-worker yeah. Yeah, she just in that that right there free like was one of the best feelings ever because people are coming in like oh he did it and she's like him you know what I'm saying like like she's like Josh yeah yeah this dude right here no way and so and so that freed me up so then that allowed that allowed me to be a little bit more vulnerable with her because I didn't have a reputation to uphold with her. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, like it was yeah. freeing because, and, and that's like when I started gaining weight and, and even like when I was going through all this struggles, even afterwards I met her, bro, I was so messed up. I didn't want to meet, I, I only wanted to meet new people. I didn't yeah. want to run into contact with anybody I knew prior. <laughs> like, like I, I really only wanted to meet because I'm like, man, if I'm, if I'm overweight and I'm bigger than what I've ever been, these people don't know that. They only know me from now. So when they see me, I'm whatever weight I'm supposed to be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like when they see me, like I'm doing whatever I'm supposed to do. So it was, yeah. it was, so I started to not, I started to isolate a little bit outside of like my core friends. Um, but like, like you were saying, like I wasn't responding to really any text messages. I wasn't doing anything. I just really isolated. And I was like, I only want to meet people who know Josh from now because yeah. I can't, 
I can't handle trying to bounce back and forth. Um, so then that, 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 and to answer your question, that led me to, once I started reaching out to you and I started talking to other teammates and seeing that this is something that, that's not discussed, then like the mental health aspect of sports, like how, and then I started thinking, how could I have maybe not prevented it, but been aware of this earlier. Right. Um, and then that's when learn to cope and learning to cope started was when I was sitting down and I was talking to my brothers and they was like, man, like obviously they didn't know. Um, and I was talking with people and I was like, man, what could we have done earlier to kind of be allow people to see warning signs and red flags um, and then have something in, in place for them afterwards. Right. right. Um, because th- th- my biggest frustration with NCAA is there's nothing for athletes when they're done. That's that's okay. my that's my biggest frustration with the NCAA is that you spend four or five years at a university, you play for this organization, you know, NCAA, you yeah. you you get hurt. I had shoulder surgery, like you get you broke your wrist, you have you get hurt, you you literally blood, sweat, and tears yeah. into this thing. I'm obviously you get a free education for most people, right? For right, division right. one athletes, but that's not the case all around the board. Um and then like and then you're done and it's like, all right, well, we have a networking thing that you can do to maybe get a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so that so then I started and I really want to do something that that allows that closes that gap. So that's how yeah. Learn to Cope started, bro. And, and it's 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 going on to is branching off to doing other things with like speaking and speaking to um, now I do some speaking with like pro- professionals and and. Um, trying to get them to live their best life in a way like it's corny, like motivational speaker, but that's what it branched off to um, because I really found, I found out that, you know, once you kind of live for yourself and you put yourself first, that things start to, you said it last time, bro. Like things start to, to, to fall into place and you can truly help people at a bigger scale once you help yourself first. And I always use, when I speak, bro, I I use the, uh, like, Harriet Tubman, right? Like, Harriet Tubman was a slave. She freed herself. She ran away, freed herself, then came back to free hundreds of slaves, right? Um, But the first person she had to free was herself. Yeah, dude. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, so then I started really thinking about that. I was like, she literally had to free herself first Mm. in order to be able to go back and free hundreds of people. So then, bro, so I was really, it's like, man, so like now, now I'm all for like, it's, it's me and my wife and my daughter first, like no matter what. And then everything else falls in line. So like, that's kind of where I'm at now. No, which is huge, dude. That's, that's another big thing that I, I talk about and I speak about is that, you know, we're taught from such a young age to put your friends first, put your teammates first, mm-hmm. put your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, put everybody else first. And we're never taught to take care of ourselves, you know? <laughs> um, and it's just, it's crazy when you really think about it. So, uh, no, that that's right on, you know, right on par with, uh, you know, the same sentiment there, man. But um, how old you, how old is your daughter now? Bro, she's she's uh, like fifteen months, like about to be fifteen months, so almost a year and a half. 
Um, got your hands full. Bro, bro, it, all, all the time, all the time. But, I mean, we talked about this this before, bro. Like, being a parent and being a father is, is like, it's the greatest yeah. thing, the greatest honor I have, really. Um, and, and having her, it, it made me, like, realize, it gave me a different why. Right. Like we talked about like like your what versus your why and like, you know, what you have to have a why in order, you know, that that motivates you to do whatever you're going to do. Because yeah. once you have your why, your what can change. Right. Like my why is my daughter, my family and, and trying to provide the best life. How I do that, that's the what that can change. I can speak. Yeah. I can write a book. I, you know, this podcast. So like that can change. But the why doesn't. And, and having her, bro, it puts everything in perspective. Like, it really does. We talked about this last time, man. You said when, you, when your boy comes and, you, like, you, you give him a hug. And it's like, bro, it's the same thing. Like, my daughter, she, she's learning some words now. And so the first word she said was dad. And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how, can, it, how can you not, like just want to do everything you can for her um <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it, it, it it's beautiful man i love that dude i love it man it's, it's crazy dude um you know like you said I, I don't think anybody any one of our teammates would have ever expected to like know like this is, this is your story you know <clears throat> i don't think anybody would expect to hear like this is what happened to josh copeland um <clears throat> after football and <clears throat> same thing with me. Um, mm. And that's why I'm so glad we're doing this. I'm glad we're sitting down, man. Because um, it's not just me and you that are struggling. Um, there's so many other people. Uh, I'm excited for all the, the future guests that we're going to have that are also going to be able to share their experience, man. But um, I'm just glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're healthy now, bro. But uh, this is awesome. Yeah, man, I appreciate you, bro. I, I'm glad. Like, like I said, man, it's been it's been a long time coming, but you're starting to see it now in sports, and and they're trying to talk about mental health. Uh, with before a few years ago, it was football and like CTE and concussions, and then now, like you see the tennis player, like Naomi Osaka, I believe yeah. her name is. Like yeah. that is real, bro. Like like they yeah. people don't understand like how media and doing media like really affects you like like i remember we played temple bro and i missed two touchdowns that led for touch that i mean two tackles that led to touchdowns we got blown out and yeah. 15 minutes after the game i'm getting cussed out by the coach and then i gotta go do media and answer questions about what i did why'd you miss those tackles <laughs> exactly bro like i'm already mad we already lost i already think it's feel like it's my fault the coach is mad at me and then now i gotta answer and be politically correct yep 15 yeah, minutes literally didn't even shower like <laughs> like it's crazy like what they ask of young athletes do and now you know we're at the mid-america i couldn't imagine like the yeah. kids at alabama you know what i'm saying right. the kids at all these bigger schools when when like the alumni base is huge and you have all this pressure and then you lose the national champion you lose a bowl game you drop a pass and then you got to answer questions about it like like it's everyday life Dude, like so then, i applaud her for that then, then you hear like death threats and all these crazy things now in the social media and it's, it's like, where, where does it stop? You know, as, as far as like, from like the fans and like that side of it, like, like 
when do you not like realize you're crossing a line that's like could seriously affect somebody's mental health you know yeah i don't i don't know bro because like i think with social media it, it added a level of connection but also like disconnect right because you feel yeah. connected to all these athletes because you have access to them all the time but then when and you feel entitled to as a fan you feel entitled to the information you feel entitled to that athlete all of the time right. and more so now than ever bro like they they need i really think they need to chill <laughs> like like you know what i'm saying like like they need to chill because like to get a death threat because you dropped a touchdown pass one play you get death threats yeah. and like they're coming for your parents and like like how do you handle that and but there's this pedestal they put athletes entertainers on this pedestal because yeah, they're either a little bit more popular or they're a little famous or they got more money um but you're still human bro like that's what it is like at you, the end of the day you're still human i think and i think you see us as humans like do that like that same thing though uh on a smaller scale and i know i alluded to it last time too but the fans do the same thing. Like you can, your favorite athlete, like you just said, can accomplish so much and have the perfect game, 11 catches, hundred and something yards, three touchdowns. But if he drops the last one that cost your team, like all the good stuff's erased, you know, and then erased. The blink of an eye. <laughs> and us as like humans, like we tend to do the same thing. Like instead of focusing on our accomplishments and focusing on the positives, like it's so much easier to focus on one negative rather than 10 positives. And right. it's something that we have to stop doing. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Cause it, and this is one of the, like a uh, part of my speeches that I give, I, I tell everybody to celebrate yourself, man, not, not be cocky, yeah. not, not be arrogant, but celebrate your accomplishments. Like if you passed a test that was hard, celebrate that. Right. Like like if you graduated oh, yeah. high school, celebrate, like really celebrate and then move on to what's next. Because like you like you said, bro, we, we get so you get so like focused on what your dreams are and what you want to accomplish that you don't see or even acknowledge the process. Yeah. And like the process is what leads to that because like success is a moment right like success like you you made it to the nfl that was a moment bro like that was yeah. a phone call you see what yeah. i'm saying and then you had to do work but everything that process led up to that phone call yeah. and so no, we get sure. and you're talking about that like you get talked about like uh seeing the other side of what's going on people see the success or the defeat at that moment they see moments yeah. They don't see what the process that led up to either that success or that failure. And that's what makes sports like so poetic and beautiful, but it also what makes it like damning and damaging at the same time. Yeah. 100%, man. No, I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to the No Bull podcast. To stay up to date on all of our podcast releases, follow us on Instagram at no underscore bull underscore podcast we're going to be dropping clips teasers and all sorts of life information on that site so come join us and follow us on this journey all love everybody and thank you